Hubert Davis has offered power forward Bryson Tiller, and he is the first that the Tar Heels have offered in a brand new breed of high school preparation. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, June 19th. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you so much for joining us to get your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or watch of the day. By the way, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked on Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash on today to get started. Coming up on today's show, we've got some kind of weird time thing going on with Jaron Stevenson's decision. It just keeps on going. Also want to update things in the secondary for Carolina football. And I also want to say a word of happy Father's Day to those of you who celebrated yesterday. I know for a lot of you out there, you either celebrated your fathers or maybe you are a father and you celebrated Um, But also want to say a word of happy Father's Day to those who are father figures. Maybe you don't have your own children, but you act as a father in others' lives. Thank you for that. But I also just want to send a word of thoughtfulness to those who would like to be fathers, but aren't able to be for one reason or another. Um, I was also talking to um, a, a guy I work with in this industry yesterday who lost his father within the past year. And this was his first Father's Day without his father. I know some of you might be in that situation. So I just want to say um, that I know it's a very happy day for some, but I also know it's a difficult day for others. And regardless, I just want you to know that my thoughts are with you. All right, let's get right into talking about Bryson Tiller, who uh, apparently is going to have to sing for his scholarship. I promise you that's the only joke I'll ever make. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just go Google Bryson Tiller, and it won't just be a basketball player that comes up. I'll tell you that. So Tiller tweeted out this information on Sunday afternoon, on Father's Day afternoon, that uh, Coach Davis and the Tar Heels had offered him. Uh, If you've been keeping tabs with us here on Locked on Tar Heels, you know that Tiller is the seventh offer in the class of 2025 so far. It's all been pretty much all top 10. I'm going to talk more about that later in the week, either tomorrow or with Coach Pat Kilby on Wednesday. Either way, you everydayers make sure you're part of that conversation. But this is the fourth of those seven offers to go to a front court player. Really interesting there. In terms of rankings, Tiller is right up there in the top, highest rated at 247 Sports. He's fourth. ESPN and Rivals, he's sixth. And then with On3, he's ninth. The reason I go to those four is those are the four major recruiting websites that we currently have. And so kind of a a good broad look at what everyone thinks of Tiller. But regardless, you see, he is a consensus top 10 selection or recruit, I guess I should say more appropriately. As a power forward, he is 6'9", 225 per his roster from last season. Already 17 years old, although he'll be stepping into his junior year. And so we'll be a little bit older, kind of similar to Elliot Cadeau, right? Like Cadeau would have turned 19 during his senior year of high school. Same kind of thing 
here for Tiller. He is from Atlanta, originally played his freshman year at Pace Academy, which is um, just a private school. I was familiar with it growing up in the Atlanta area there. But his sophomore year this past season played for Overtime Elite, which is based in Atlanta. And so that's why I say in the cold open, this is a brand new breed of high school preparation. Um, so this is going to be a new wrinkle for us. And so I want to, I do want to talk about Tiller, but I also want to get you up to speed with Overtime Elite, because if you've heard of it, you probably have thought of it as something like G League Ignite as an alternative to college basketball. And for some, it is like um, Amen and Asur Thompson, who are about to be drafted as lottery picks on Thursday during the NBA draft. Uh, for a lot of players, this is an opportunity to go professional while you're still in high school, be paid a salary for high-level elite training, and then move on to the NBA. Well, that was the only option in the first year of Overtime Elite in the 21-22 season. And then this season that we just finished was just the second season for Overtime Elite, but they introduced a new path that these players could take where instead of being paid a salary, they could accept a scholarship, meaning that they could then, you're probably guessing it, maintain their NCAA eligibility because they were not being paid a, a salary as a professional, but were just being given a scholarship to be part of Overtime Elite. And so now that there is that scholarship option, it's going to open up a whole new world where there's going to be players from Overtime Elite that are going to come to college having had that level of training. And in fact, for Bryson Tiller, this is where we get back to him specifically. He played the team he played on for overtime elite this year. He was in the starting five with both Thompson twins. And so he got to play alongside and with guys that in, you know, Monday, three days from now, we're going to be multimillionaires. And that's the training and experience he had. Now, here's what's cool about Bryson Tiller. He got to do that while being a sophomore this past season. In fact, he was one of just two sophomores to be playing for Overtime Elite this year. And hear me say again, he was a starter for this team that won Overtime Elite's championship. Averaged 11.5 points per game, 6.9 rebounds, just over an assist, and just under a steal, just under a block. So very productive as a sophomore. Had five double-doubles. Had a game where he had 20 and 15. And like his team, the Reaper, the City Reapers, the overtime elite team he played for, won the OTE championship. And in the three games of the championship series, he scored double figures in all of them, including in the championship game where he had 15 and 8 and went 7 of 11 from the field. So this is a big deal to get this level of experience this young. Now, obviously, it's not just going to be Carolina after him. There's going to be a ton of, of schools and programs wanting uh, his services. Now, if you're interested in going to see more of it, you might not have realized this, but Overtime Elite, most of their games are on Prime Video. So if you are a subscriber to Prime, you can just hop on Overtime Elite's um, schedule page and see all of that and go back and rewatch it. And um, this summer, uh, while he's on AAU stuff, he plays in the Under Armour circuit, not in Nike EYBL, but he plays for Atlanta Express, if you're wanting to check that out, if you kind of get into that side of it. Now, I want to say a couple words about his game, and then I want to say two statements 
from him that have really stuck out as being like, oh, this young man is a Tar Heel. One of the things I've noticed in watching some of his games, some of his highlights, is that he's not a guy that has to have the ball in his hands a ton. For example, we just talked about it. He was playing alongside the Thompson Twins, who were pretty ball-dominant guys, not, not in like an egregious, negative, ball hoggy sort of way, just they're phenomenal basketball players. Um, but yet, even so, he still finds a way to get his. A lot of that is through rebounding, through having a good motor, things like that. But on the flip side of that, it's not just that he doesn't need the ball a ton, but when he does have the ball, it's fun too. This dude can rebound and run, get get the rebound and take off, lead the break. Um, can f- When he gets the ball, he can either face up, drive you, face up mid-range game, whatever he needs to do, can face up or operate in the paint. Obviously, as a 6'9 guy, um, can operate inside, plays above the rim when needed, does all things like that. To hear him talk, his self-proclaimed two biggest strengths right now are his mid-range game and his on-ball defense. And so really neat to see him take pride in his defense uh, at, at this age, right? We are looking forward to that with Drake Powell. We have that right now with Seth Trimble. Um, he says he credits the Thompson twins with that, saying like that he's learned from their work ethic on the defensive side of the ball. Now, um, 247 Sports did an article with um, Tiller, and I've read through it a couple times, but there, there are two things that really, really stand out to me that make me say, mm, this dude is Carolina. Number one, in this interview, he said, me and my father have talked about not trying to make it too public, meaning his recruiting. I love this. In in this day and age where it's all about like leaking stuff and telling everybody everything, I, I like that it's like, it's just going to be us. And that, because that's how Carolina handles their business too, right? Like you don't see a ton of stuff coming out. I, I don't say this to disparage John Calipari, but um, Coach, Coach Cal, like, everywhere all the time in your face. I, th- I think it's too much. And th- because there is a healthy level in to me of how much you pump up and, and in the public sphere, talk about things. I like that Carolina doesn't necessarily have to do that because they're Carolina. And I, so I appreciate that, but I love that Tiller says like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to keep this thing pretty quiet. Just to do it our way all in on that. And then the other thing in this same interview, he also said, I'll look for a school that really prioritizes we over me. And, you know, maybe that's just something he said for an interview one time. Sure. But the fact that he would have the wherewithal to say it, which he said in that interview, he got from his OTE coach, which by the way, is Dave Leto, who used to be at Virginia. Um, I, I just, somebody who is this level of elite talent to be will not only cognizant enough to realize, but be willing to say, I'm, I'm all about we over me. If, if the team gets the dub and I have two points, cool. I'm going to do what I need to do now because of how talented he is. He's going to do really well, but I, I love to see this now. So as I said, Tiller is the seventh, um, offer that Hubert Davis has extended. Just in case you've missed our shows, the other six are Caleb Wilson, Cameron, and Caden Boozer, Cameron being the better of the twins, 
Koa Pete, Isaiah Harwell, and uh, Darren Peterson is the other. And so um, some interesting things this is going to be telling us about Hubert Davis's recruiting strategy. We're going to unpack that more later in the week. I don't want to get into that right now because that's a little bit of a bigger conversation. Now, want to continue talking about Carolina basketball recruiting. Got sort of an update on Jaron Stevenson over the weekend, but not really. And I want to explain that to you. And we'll do it in just a second. But first, today's episode to begin the week is brought to you by FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. For example, if it's me, I'm going to be betting on the Braves a lot. I'm going to be betting against, you know, the Royals and the A's a lot. Just put that in your little thought bank and do what that what you will. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Hey, folks, want to make you aware that Locked On's NBA Mock Draft Special is here and it's bigger than ever. Follow along with the entire first round in a six-episode ultimate mock draft experience that only Locked On can deliver for you. All episodes are available now on Locked On College Basketball, on YouTube, or on audio, wherever you listen to podcasts. And by the way, I would personally love you to check this out as well because I had the opportunity and privilege to be on the anchor desk for this um, mini series as like the college basketball expert. And so uh, really neat opportunity. So thankful to Locked On for affording it to me. All right. Jaron Stevenson updates. So since we've last talked uh, at the at the end of the week um, on Friday morning, Jaron Stevenson tweeted out his top three. It's the three teams I expected. If you've been following along, you probably expected these as well, but it's Alabama, it's North Carolina, and it's Virginia. Now, interestingly, essentially at the exact same time as Jaron tweeted that out, Travis Branham from 247 Sports, their uh, national basketball analyst for them, does a great job, tweeted that Jaron not only had cut down his list to three schools, but also that he, quote, hoped to make a decision by the end of the weekend. In fact, in Branham's article that was attached to this tweet, he quoted Jaron as saying, I'm hoping by this weekend that I can make that decision, meaning the decision about where to go, not necessarily about the reclassification. Those have been the big two things here in Stevenson's um, recruiting journey is both where is he going to go And when is he going to go to that place? Well, I'm hoping by this weekend that I can make that decision. If he did, we didn't hear about it because clearly it's Monday and crickets, right? Like, so Jaron Stevenson continues to uh, not, it just keeps delaying, um, keeps not making full on 
decisions. And that's fine. I think we get so used to young men or young women who are being recruited, giving very specific dates and times and ways in which they're going to make this decision. I think for Jaron, he's just taking his time. And I know some people are, are saying, not going to say, but saying, I've seen it. Well, if you don't already know that you want to be a Tar Heel, then don't come. I, I get that, but it is a lot more difficult than that. There's so many things to consider. And I think it's it feels like it makes sense to come to North Carolina because of the family connections, because of proximity and things like that. Sure. But for some people, they want to get out away from home. For some people, it's, you know, maybe this other place fits who I am and my style better. And if so, you'd love to keep them in state and at North Carolina, but it just doesn't always work. Now, ultimately, I still, I think, and I believe fully that Stevenson will pick the Tar Heels when all is said and done. I'm just saying, Let's give the young man some space to breathe and figure this out. That said, it would be nice to have uh, more firm knowledge from him about when it will actually happen. But it feels like it's going to be one of those things where it just kind of kind of drops, where I, it doesn't feel, and I could be proven wrong on this, and I'm fine with that, but it just feels like the way this has gone, it's just like, He's just going to drop it out of the ether one morning or one afternoon this week or something. You know, like I, I just kind of expect it to be that way. Now, Stevenson has visited all three of these schools in his final three with um, obviously he's been at North Carolina a ton because of proximity, because of history with the school on officials. But his official visit to Carolina was the last of these three. And recruiting experts will tell you more often than not, that's the spot you want to be in. You want to be the team, the program, the school making the last pitch. You want to be the last voice in that, in that student athletes ear. And I know there's something to be said for maybe being first as well. Cause it's like, let me lock you up right now. Don't even go anywhere else. But more often than not, it's about being the last voice. And that's what Carolina had the opportunity to do. Now, as to what will be the deciding factor for Jaron Stevenson, here's what he said, quote, I have to review everything and see what's the best situation. I am not, and this is the thing here, I am not 100% sure yet on anything. And that's from that article with Travis Branham on Friday morning. Um, so unless Stevenson is just sandbagging here with what he's saying, again, I have to review everything and see what's the best situation. I am not 100% sure yet on anything. It really sounds like Stevenson is wrestling with this decision. It sounds like it's a race between these teams, unless he's sandbagging, which could happen, you know, just toying with us a little bit. But it seems like he's he's really trying to do everything he can to process through this. We've heard all along from Stevenson him say every time he's been quoted or, or talked to media, it's always been, I, I don't really know, you know, kind of hemming and hawing a little bit to just say, I'm, I'm, and not in an undecisive way, but just to say, there's a lot of opportunities for me out there. And I just want to make sure that I'm stepping into the one that is the opportunity that will help me best take my next steps in basketball. And, and that's all you can hope for, for a child. That's what I would hope for, for my own children. And so I, I'm fine with him doing that. Now, as to reclassification, 
it sounds like also from this article that it will not happen at the same time. Decision-wise will not happen at the same time as when he makes his college choice, that the decision on reclassification will come at some later point this summer. So all that to say, when we get a decision from Stevenson, expect it to just be about what school he's going to, not whether it's staying in 24 or reclassifying up to 2023. So just keep all that in mind. Now I'll continue to say what I have been saying all along. I believe that it will be North Carolina or Alabama. Um, not that Virginia is not in the running. Clearly they are there. They wouldn't be in this top three, but it, it just reading the tea leaves that that's how it seems to play out. Additionally, I've kind of said all along that I believe if it, if Bama's the choice, it's because it's a nice blend for 2023. And that's part of what's helping him make this decision. Like I want to reclassify and Bama is the better fit for me this year. And if, if it's North Carolina that he will, in my opinion, stay in the class of 2024. Obviously we're going to have to wait to see because you never know in recruiting, you could have all the assurances of everything. I keep going back to Ian Jackson, everything leading up to that was screaming Kentucky. And then that last, the, the day of his commitment just really started to roll in like, eh, this is going to be maybe North Carolina. And it was, so we were tipped off a little bit, but all along it had been feeling like not North Carolina, but it was speaking of Ian Jackson, uh, we're going to talk about him some this week as well. Some really interesting stuff happening with him this summer. Now, we're going to change from the basketball court to the football field with some news that came out a little while ago. But I want to make sure to update it and talk about it and why I think it's important. We will do that in just a second. Okay, North Carolina had some struggles on defense last year <laughs> on in football, right? What that's, that's not news to any of us. And that's with all due respect to Mr. Cedric Gray and power Eccles and the great job that they did in the linebacking position and certain individuals at certain times on the line and in the secondary. But for the most part last year, the linebackers were very, efficient. They did their work. The line struggled and the secondary struggled. It just is what it is. Consequently, a lot of the secondary, like Storm Duck, like Tony Grimes, transferred out. They weren't the only ones, but right. Um, and so you have to bring in some guys. You have to develop some guys and or get some transfers in. North Carolina has done a little bit of all of that, one of which I want to talk about because he just recently actually came to campus, signed, and has been announced is Antavius Stick Lane. And I love this name. I just want to call him Stick. And I never want to say Antavius, not with any animosity towards his real name. I just love nicknames and I think it's awesome. So uh, if you've been keeping up with things, you know he committed to North Carolina way back in January, January 15th. Um, but because he had to finish things off at Georgia State, he just uh, officially signed and was announced on June 5th. So it was a spring graduate from Georgia State, had been there for four years, uh, but still coming to North Carolina with two years of eligibility because that first year at Georgia State only played three games and that allows you to redshirt and still be able to play a full um, four years. And so played at Georgia State three more years 
has a year of COVID eligibility, and so has two years that he could play at North Carolina as a graduate transfer. Pretty cool. So now uh, uh, it's go time. Officially signed. He's been announced. Press release, all the deal. It's go time, and I love it. He tweets out, couldn't have chosen a better place to call home. So Lane steps into this secondary as a defensive back. Specifically, he is a safety. And um, the fact that he's coming from Georgia State means that we have seen him each of the past couple years. 2021 had five tackles and a pass breakup against the Tar Heels. And then this past season had six tackles, all solo, and two forced fumbles. And so it's funny because I remember seeing this kid and thinking, hmm, all right. Just filing it away, because in this transfer portal era, you just never know what you're going to find. And so um, we found him, and now he is a Tar Heel. Uh, obviously a Panther as well, but there you go. Uh, Lane is originally from West Palm Beach, Florida, went to Georgia State, and now is a Tar Heel. As a Panther, he played 37 games, started 30, was a three-time All-Sun Belt player including being first team his sophomore year 226 career tackles six and a half tackles for loss 11 interceptions which is a georgia state career record had five as a sophomore which was a single season georgia state record 13 career pass breakups and four forced fumbles last year what is he coming off of as a junior he was third team all conference 87 tackles two and a half tackles for loss two interceptions, one pass breakup, and two forced fumbles. So not quite the stats that he had his sophomore year, but had a solid year. Uh, what I love about Carolina getting in lane is a veteran and a reliable defensive back who has produced for his school. And it's just... Carolina just wasn't getting that out of some of the secondary that were previous Star Heels, whether through injury or just not living up to expectations, whatever it is. Uh, you get a guy like this that comes in who's done it, and you expect him to do the same thing at North Carolina. So once again, there has been this reliability with the linebackers. You expect that to be there again with both of those guys, barring injury, but you have to get better up front and you have to get better behind them. This certainly helps landing lane in that endeavor. I saw somebody on Twitter was like, man, this dude's going to be the best uh, defensive back in the ACC. And I mean, I think he will be strong. I think, I think that is probably an overstatement. Um, but again, he certainly helps and, and will battle for a position in this five-person starting secondary that Coach Chiswick rolls out. But when you combine it in terms of transfers in with Elijah Huzzy coming from ETSU, who has met, uh, found rave reviews from North Carolina, Derek Allen coming over another safety from Georgia Tech to join his brother. Um, so... You get some of these other guys. Cavazos hopefully will be healthy this year. Will Hardy, like, right? Like all these dudes coming up and kind of showing a little bit of what they can do. And so we're going to have to watch that and keep our eyes on this secondary. That's, this is a position I'm really, really curious. I know it's both lines that just have to be better in a big, massive way. But gosh, 
the secondary, I, I think can and should take a big step forward this season. Speaking of the secondary, Jaquarius Conley still hasn't committed anywhere yet. And I'm I'm not saying like, so is he going to come back? I'm just saying it's, you know, nearing the back part of June and he's not committed anywhere. So keep your eyes on that. Um, unless I've just missed it, but I, I mean, I've gone back and looked at his stuff at transfer portal stuff, and I don't see him, uh, having committed. Well, friends, that wraps up the beginning of the week on Locked on Tar Heels. I hope you had a great weekend once again. Looking forward to this week and everything that is ahead of us as we continue to talk Carolina sports. Thanks again for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or watch of the day. Really, really appreciate it. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. If you want to have more in-depth conversations, email the show, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Folks have been sending in questions like crazy. So we're going to keep crushing listener questions because I love it. It's so much fun and is a neat way for us to get to interact and probably for me to answer questions that others of you out there might be wondering as well. If you would go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, five stars. Talk about why you love being part of the Locked on Tar Heels community. Also, don't forget to subscribe, smash the like button and comment on today's show. Hey folks, I want to remind you that it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. I'll be right back with you tomorrow, but until then, peace.